it's not even the hay fever that has everyone worked up right now. What has people worked up right now are repacks. And so given that um, I'm currently being uh, um, demolished by hay fever, I thought I would help to get the whole repack story broken down. First things first. Everywhere you look, there's repacks. It is raining repacks at the moment. Worldwide, everyone's got a repack. There are so many repacks. Do we need more repacks? First things first. Buy Panini. Buy Tops. If you want basketball cards, buy Panini cards. If you buy, if you want, uh, if you want baseball cards, buy tops. If you're starting out, you have to buy those brands. They've got huge millions of dollars put into developing the brands, the products, the, the everything that goes into uh, why we love collecting is because of the investment uh, and the process that those companies go through. So I certainly employ just at least start off and probably for the bulk of your uh, collecting spend. Panini and Tops. There's a reason these guys are on top. So why would someone buy a repack? And a lot of people do. They're uh, even at the lowest level, they're our bestseller. And I'm sure they're most companies' bestsellers. If you look at websites, you can generally tell where the bestsellers are. They're towards the top. So the reason that I think you should buy a repack is for particular types of cards. And, and a good example of that is a Jordan Rookie. If you want a Jordan Rookie card and you, uh, and you don't want to pay four or $5,000 and you certainly don't want to buy a box to get a Jordan Rookie card, which might be, I don't know, $100,000, there's only one way you can actually have a crack at getting that, and that is a repack. And that's why repacks have been popular, because people love Jordan Rookie cards. The thrill of potentially getting one is for a time that's way back when, um, when I started in the hobby, you could get them about 250 bucks a packet. And a uh, customer um, uh, back in the early 90s, I remember getting a Barkley in a packet, which was huge. Even a more recent example, if you want a Kobe Bryant on-card auto, well, you're going to have to go for a repack. A lot of that stuff's $2,000 plus a box. It's boxes that were maybe like three or $400, $2,000 plus for a cheap one if you want a decent chance at a Kobe auto. So if you want a Kobe autograph, particularly when it's on card, likelihood is now you're going to be reaching out for a repack. And of course, the repack is probably not going to be as expensive as the Jordan rookie. But um, even if you go, if you want to get a Zion Williamson Prism rookie card, you're going to need to look uh, and maybe $1,000 to get yourself into a potential for a Zion rookie card. You want to make sure uh, that the value proposition of opening that box and potentially getting a Zion rookie card is there for you. So I think that there's a, a certainly uh, a purpose for repacks for people that are looking for those types of cards, but um, there, there probably needs to be something at that pointy end of the arrow for them to, to chase. Now, the reason that they are popular is that in, in the current environment is that if you look at, say, a Prism Retail, so Prism Retail basketball, really popular, 
and it was meant to be about $100 a box. That was its RRP, $100 a box. $120, around $100 a box. So right now, at $1,000 plus a box, Prism Retail represents about a 900% markup over its RRP. When you compare that for a Zion Rookie Prism, when you compare that against a repack product, might be two or $300, you're looking at maybe a 25% to 70% markup of over RRP, which is the cost to the creator of that repack to purchase that content for the repack. The value proposition throughout that run uh, for uh, the Zion Prism Rookie, currently, if you just after that card, currently exists at a better value proposition in a repack. Now, if you kept the Prism Retail Box sealed, then it is a different value proposition again. But on purely merits, that is why we're seeing people looking towards repacks as something that they see value in. Now, the repack will never have the same spread of value as the Prism Retail Box, which Panini are able to do across the whole range. So they're able to have boxes that have got very, very little value in them. And they've also got boxes that have got cards that are worth extremely huge um, values. And the way they do that um, is by managing the marketing around those types of cards, the secondary market uh, sales of those cards. So they've got the, the ability to, to add value where perhaps value no, uh, didn't uh, originally exist, which is difficult to do with repacks. Repacks, you're dealing with a you know, current market sort of pricing. So I guess the question you're asking then is if sellers are making less margin on repacks, why aren't sellers selling boxes? If there's this huge 900% over RRP, Grayson, why aren't sellers just buying boxes and selling boxes? Well, the reality is that we can't get enough boxes at the moment. They don't, they don't exist. And if they do exist, we certainly can't find them. Um, Cherry this year, speaking from our experience, we've got a hundred uh, thousands more customers than we've ever had before. And we have about a quarter of the product that we've ever had. So you have to look towards creating value in other areas in different ways. And um, one of the ways that doesn't work long-term is by buying expensive product that's 700, 800% above its, uh, the value proposition that Panini saw for it, and then adding another margin to that. It doesn't work and eventually people get sick of it. So you need to work out ways to blend that together because there's certainly still value in opening a 1718 select box with the potential to hit some of those amazing cards, the rarest courtside silvers ever, the Kobe Bryant on-card autos, Jason Tatum, all that stuff but it's not consistent. So that's really important to know. Now, the defense I hear for repacks is, oh, but Grayson, why are repacks held to a higher standard? I get terrible boxes. And it's quite often like in defense, someone will be defending, I don't know, a cherry repack or a, a money ball repack or a hit parade, they'll be defending it, but it's not, it's not fair. Repacks should be be held to a higher level of accountability because they don't have the one ingredient that makes those panini boxes, that makes those tops boxes so valuable. And that is the 
customer support, the unboxing experience, the packaging on that stuff's amazing. I haven't seen a single repack that's got like a beautiful, you know, plastic that you tear open, a nice like package, you open it up, and you can feel that you've purchased something that's worth a thousand dollars. Very, very few have the 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 product development team that goes into it to make that brief work, to make sure that everything is relatable and it's got a theme and it's like we're, we're relying on so much on just the market volatility with repacks. So there's for what we for what we can deliver in terms of a nice value proposition right now, we don't necessarily have the ability to control what happens post the purchasing experience. So absolutely, you should expect a hell of a lot more from your repack than what you do from your panini box. That being said, that spread has to exist still. You can't have a Jordan rookie without having uh, a bowl bowl rookie. And the reason that with repacks, people tend to try to include like the bowl bowl stuff is that there's some room for that to go up. There's some room for vintage cards to really take off. You don't want to get, um, for example, a Gordon Hayward rookie. There's no value in that. Gordon Hayward has probably hit a ceiling. He's certainly hit a hobby ceiling. So if you get a Gordon Hayward, you, know, you should be, oh, this, I don't like this product. And you know, the, the, the repacker, the creator should listen to that because um, that's how these things get better. Panini's products now are amazing. I think everyone would agree. The current Panini uh, uh, branded products are amazing. Best they've ever been, without a shadow of a doubt. That's through learning from feedback. Are repacks right for me? Um, this is one we get a lot. Is this something that I would enjoy? Or I didn't enjoy that. Um, can I have a refund? What would I enjoy? Repacks are good for long-time collectors, people that have been in the game. They understand it. They've watched the market a few times. They've probably seen repacks quite a number of times as well. And they've got an understanding of what they're getting into. They're great for people that are after just chase cards. You're after a Jordan rookie, no worries, go repack. You're after a Kobe Bryant on card auto, repack. Uh, you like uh, heaps of Zion prison rookie content, repack. Um, if you're after chase cards, repacks are a great way of doing that. And then they also um, really relate to those people that love like Chronicles, people that love variety. You know, they don't want the product where they know exactly what's going to come out of each case. They want something where they're like, wow, I did not expect to get a Sean Kemp uh, PSA 10 behind the glass. Like that is so cool. Um, they want something where they're like, you know what? Um, I haven't, uh, I haven't seen one of these cards. Like it's a, just to one-on-one pump of Shaquille O'Neal. I haven't seen it in like 10 years. That's so cool. So, um, that is the sort of person who's going to enjoy a repack. Now, if you're a first time collector, you're just getting into this, you want tops and panini all day. That's all you want. Dabble in a few repack breaks, but you want those guys. They're the products that are really going to pad out your collection and, uh, make you really enjoy what this hobby is all about. Those companies invest the money to make sure that you do have a great experience. The other question I get a lot is what repacks do I recommend? And I've had a huge amount of experience with repacks and I hated repacks um, uh, early on. And, uh, and I, I, I think the, the time that I came to 
realize uh, that that I liked repacks was uh, the king of repacks. There is no better repack on the planet uh, than uh, Leafs repacks. And uh, uh, Brian Gray at Leaf does a tremendous uh, job acquiring assets. So he actually lines up a huge amount of the signing sessions that get done um, to create uh, unique content, not just for his own company, for a lot of other companies. And therefore, uh, he's in a position where he's got a lower cost of entry on a lot of that stuff. He can put it in his products for a much lower cost than what we can, than what anyone else can. He's got control over that manufacturing process. So he kind of sits between a real manufacturer and a repacker um, for some of his products. And I think that adds a huge amount of value. Also includes a lot of original content, sketch art, which is really cool, and uh, original cards of, of key players, which have not necessarily seen huge secondary market increases, but they add value to the whole process, which I think is really cool. I got a, uh, a Leaf Best of Basketball very early on. I maybe spent $1,000, I can't remember, maybe no, about 500 and I got a uh, LeBron James Chrome Rookie graded 8.5. And at the time I was like, what's this worth? It was like 300 bucks. I was like, oh God, it's like, a, really? That's all I get out of this stuff? And uh, so I've got that card still. And it's worth like, I don't know, like seven or 8,000 now, which is one of the most amazing things that uh, as someone who's now created a lot of repacks and seen a lot of repacks that you notice. We can't put the products in that we had in our repacks two years ago because they've gone up 10 times. Like we can't put the same products in that we can in our repacks earlier this year because they've gone up five times. So to think that the that value proposition that you put together is literally like five or six times what the cost was then is really, uh, it's really, it's a great feeling. It fills you with a huge amount of joy um, and some regret, but mainly joy. Uh, there's one, there was a Luca in our last set that we needed like a, an $8,000 card and it was like right on the mark, but I was certain it was going to be worth more than 8000 And so we put it in. I think we had 5000 to play with. Um, so we were already losing. And now that card's like worth like 20000 which is which is really cool as well. But uh, it's an example of, of, of how this works. Close, uh, well, actually, no, sorry. The next best, without a shadow of a doubt, is Hip Parade. Hip Parade is uh, the uh, brainchild of Adam Martin. It's a card world. It is so good. Hip Parade is so good that Adam has completely changed his revenue structure of that business. He's gone from having the largest inventory of sports trading cards on the planet to having a reasonable inventory and then a huge inventory of hip parade products, um, short runs, God tier cards, uh, great value, great customer support, great social engagement. Hip Parade is, is the bar of, of manufactured products that had to have gone through from a manufacturer to a seller. And that's important and it's hard because 
when you say to me, what repack should I buy? I'll tell you the most important thing. The, the less hands that, that that repack goes through before it gets to the customer, the better value you're going to get. You can't add 10, 15% wholesale margin and then a 25% to 35%, maybe more retail margin and not get a higher number. It adds up. If you're going directly to a manufacturer, you maybe they're doing it direct at 25, 35%. If you're getting it from a secondary party, it's got at least 40%. If it's got less than 40%, they're literally, they're not eating. So if you can go straight to the manufacturer, that is absolutely going to be your best value. Not necessarily moving forward. Maybe they nailed it. Maybe the product just nailed it. Heaps of cars that have gone up in value. But at that exact time, when that product is made available for sale, the margin on a direct-to-manufacturer version is lower than it is on any other repack. That is a fact. Hip rate, still number one. <laughs> Closer to home, um, in my opinion, and this is uh, all over the shop, but in my opinion, I think the money ball with the uh, second uh, Mumber edition, which drops very soon, I'm getting all their marketing, it's brilliant, uh, looks amazing. I think it's going to be huge. I think it could be the best repack that has ever been released in, a, in this part of the world. It's yet to be seen. We're going to see when it comes out, but it looks incredible. I'm so jealous. Um, but that looks great. Uh, going back, I'm hearing murmurs. Going back a few years ago, we had a, there was a product that uh, we were able to purchase called Reloaded. Now, uh, Reloaded was arguably a lot of people believe that it was the best repackaged product thus far in Australia. I disagree. Um, um, I disagree. But a lot of people think it's great. I've got the sell sheet from the first ever Reloaded. And uh, just to give you give you an idea about what I was talking about earlier, how, how cards can go up in value, um, we're going to post that sell sheet because uh, it's pretty funny. Um, if you bought into it at the time uh, and you had any uh, concerns about whether you were getting ripped off or not, you should see the sell sheet. It's brilliant. It's fantastic. There's, I mean, there's plenty of other good ones around. The, you've got to, I'd say watch a few. And if you like what you see, then buy in. Go back to the beginning of this video and, and work out whether they're for you first. That's the most important thing. Lastly, of course, I've flashed it a couple of times. Our banner range, um, I'm really proud of. The cherry pies have probably been our best seller ever. Um, they're a little bit different. They're, they're literally uh, for an ongoing product. So it's not, a, it's not a short run. It is for a product that we can constantly move along with and always have in stock for people that have, that have got $100 to spend but still want a chance of a four-figure card, maybe a five-figure card one day, but definitely a four-figure card at this stage. So it's a little bit different. It's not a run. Our gem breaks, which were runs and did include Jordan rookies and did include Lucas that are now worth 20000 and did include LeBrons that are now worth 20000 and did include all of that stuff. Our gem breaks uh, were brilliant. Banner gem, we hopefully will have one for Christmas. I'm sure it'll be great. Low cost of entry because it's a break and high value spread um, or as high a value spread as we can get uh, here. In closing... I want to make this really clear. Repackaged products are not for everyone. 
but they do help everyone. Repackaged products are a big part of this hobby resurgence, this phoenix that rose from the ashes. The reason that these secondary market cards are going up, 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 up is because we have to keep paying more for Jordan rookies. We've got to keep paying more for LeBron rookies. We've got to keep paying more for Luca rookies. We've got to pick, we've got to just keep paying more, which means people are selling the stuff for more, which means that the whole community is getting more. And then to top that off, we're creating wider runs so that we can manage that value proposition better, which means we're, we're buying more of the stuff at every single price point and we're buying more of the whole pie. The cost of entry is going up a little bit. The cost of those singles is going up a lot. We're not just buying collections of people so they can go and get a steak dinner that night. We're buying millions of dollars of cards and million dollar collections of people. They're buying houses when we buy their collections. When David Adams buy their collections, when Steel City buy their collections, when Brian Grades buys their collections, when whoever it is buy their collections. Even Panini's bought people's collections for repackaged products. Um, and when Panini did it, it didn't work for Panini. They got a huge, like the, the pushback for Panini's was incredible. And uh, Panini were trying to, you know, they nailed the, they nailed the, the, the manufactured stuff. So um, even they know how this feels. So do consider the greater good that this is doing for the hobby, even if they're not for you, because they're not for everyone, but they do help everyone. Lastly, love to all the repackers out there. It is a tough game. Uh, it takes a lot of time. Uh, Cherry Pie has taken us the last six months. We've got, uh, we're about to do, uh, we've, we've released it, The Locker, which is an exclusive with Fanatics. It's the first authentic autograph, authentic jersey uh, repack that's been done here, I think worldwide. Um, and we're really excited about that. That's been over a year. That's a year of discussions to get something like that across the line. A huge amount of development to try and get that to come together and a massive outlay to make that happen. It is a scary space to work in. People are doing this full time now. Um, those people out there know who they are and they're doing a great job at it. Um, Spera, Neb, those guys, they're pot committed to producing great products for you guys. Please support them. Even if you don't like them, at least support their grind. They're doing a great job. That is my take on repacks. I hated them. Now I love them. And I think we need them.